We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Words to live by. Have a point. That's why I like that Steve Martin line so much. And I try to have a point every time I'm here in the big chair on Camel Axon at your service. And uh, phone lines are open. If something's on your mind, if you would like to make a point, I'd like to hear it. 314-436-7900. Lots of texts coming in this evening. Thank you very much, Mary Lynn and Pam and others. I appreciate those texts. Keep them coming. We love hearing from you. Also want to hear from Eddie, who's been holding through the break. Hey, Eddie, what are you doing this evening, my friend? Hello. Hello, sir. How are you doing this evening? Very good, thank you. Thank you. Uh, What's on your mind? Well, you know, I was 11 years old when... Pearl Harbor was attacked, and we lived on the West Coast, hmm. and the hostility with the Japanese was prior to the to December 7th, and when we interred the Japanese during World War II, we saved thousands of Japanese-American lives. The American public was livid at, at the attack on Pearl Harbor, mm-hmm. and they would have lynched any anybody that looked Asian, and uh, uh, it you know I get tired of hearing how you know how terrible it was that we endured them, but the fact was we saved lives by doing so until the public cooled down. Most of them were released a, a, a year and a half later, and went on to serve with distinction in World War Two. Uh, they were some of the fiercest uh, fighting people in the European theater. The late Senator Daniel Inouye of uh, Hawaii, Hawaii uh, lost an arm in in fighting uh, uh, the Germans in, in, in Europe. But you just can't imagine how enraged the public was. And uh, uh, Koreans and, and Chinese uh, wore a lapel pin uh, declaring their ethnicity so people wouldn't uh, confuse them with the Japanese. I had a relative who was seriously wounded in World War II. Uh, the, the Japanese, uh, to tell you how terrible they were, they made, they made uh, prisoners of war stare at the sun until they were blind. They had those uh, samurai swords that they'd, 
there was a, a picture passed around the Pacific of a British soldier on his knees, uh, 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 and the Japanese had a sword ready to whack off his head. Mm. Uh, you, you just can't imagine the brutality. And over 20,000 more criminals uh, uh, from during the war from Japan were never prosecuted. That we talk about the medical experiments and the uh, the, you know, the Holocaust in Europe, but the Japanese were every every bit as brutal. Yeah, and, I, uh, I, under, you know, I understand, Eddie. Hey, we're going to need to move along, but I appreciate you calling in this evening. Thank well, let you. Let me make one final statement. Okay. After the war, a Japanese official uh, told Truman, you didn't need to drop the atomic bomb. And Truman replied, if you hadn't have started it, you wouldn't have got it. I understand. Hey, Eddie, thanks for calling in. I appreciate you sharing your memories this evening. Thank you. Okay. And, uh, I, you know, I, I am certainly uh, an advocate that the, the dropping of the, of the two atomic bombs to end World War II were necessary, they were worthwhile, and they saved American lives. Uh, but uh, where I differ with Eddie is legally in the United States, it was a horrendous breach of constitutional rights to imprison someone for a year and a half for no other reason than based upon their ethnicity. Uh, that was just, you know, but whether you could say it was for their safety, I understand that argument, but legally, morally, uh, and, and from, a, uh, from any perspective, you, you, it was just improper. It violated the Constitution beyond measure to arrest people and lock, essentially put them in prison for no other reason than their ethnicity. And, and that's really what happened. And we've seen Supreme Court decisions since then that have lambasted that uh, because the Supreme Court approved it. There were legal challenges to that action and that activity. And they were upheld because of the wartime powers of the executive branch. Because constitutionally, in a time of national emergency, the executive branch is given more authority and more leeway to take whatever actions are necessary. And at the time, for the reasons that Eddie articulated, the, the, uh, the president thought it was worthwhile. But in retrospect, it simply was not. And that's my concern about this current pandemic, because they're looking at it. The Biden administration is looking at this through the same glasses that Roosevelt looked at World War II, saying this is a time of crisis. People are dying, and extreme measures are warranted even if they are unconstitutional. And that was wrong for, for President Roosevelt to do that in the 1940s. And it's wrong for President Biden to do that in the 21st century for the same reason. It's morally wrong, and it's constitutionally unfounded. And so my hope is that the courts will get it right this time instead of what the courts did in the 1940s which was to approve unconstitutional, immoral activities under the guise of a disaster, under the auspices of we have to do something even if it's wrong. You know, that was a phrase my dad used to say, let's do something even if it's wrong. And I would always say, Dad, that's terrible advice. Uh, we don't have to do something if it's wrong. I mean, doing nothing is better than doing something wrong. All right. But yet that's what we are seeing right here. We're also seeing lots of other things with regard to climate extremism. 
We're seeing all of the fires now being blamed on this. We've got an interview coming up. I know we've got some folks calling in, but we've got an interview coming up here after the break. So uh, we're going to talk to the author of Inconvenient Facts, which is really a refutation of Al Gore's book, The Inconvenient Truth. And he's going to break down what's causing these fires, what's causing these other so-called weather emergencies, and where do we really stand with regard to global climate change. Brad Young here at your service this evening. We'll be right back. Keep pace with the latest locally. Ask your smart speaker to play KMOX. You know, over the past few weeks, I know you've noticed this, but we've just been inundated with news reports about the California fires, uh, tropical storms in the Caribbean, even the current heat wave in the Midwest. I think it got to 97 today. And uh, more often than not, though, these these weather events are just consistently blamed on climate change. But is that really the case? I mean, is climate change the reason why we hit 97 today? So joining us this evening is Gregory uh, Wrightstone. He's the author of a recent book, Inconvenient Facts, The Science That Al Gore Doesn't Want You to Know. Hey, uh, Greg Wrightstone, welcome to KMOX. Oh, good to be on with you. Yeah, yeah, we're just, you, you are right. It seems like it's one thing after another. It's it's. Yeah, I don't even know where you want to start. But <laughs> we had the we had the we had the uh, uh, intergovernmental panel on climate change report re- issued Monday. We had the the infrastructure bill passed, and then we have this three point two trillion dollar whatever you might might want to call it. That uh, we just have the outline of it. Uh, all of these having to do with climate change, all of them are bad. They are. They are all bad, which is why I wanted to talk to you this evening. And before we dive into some of these issues, and I've got a lot of questions for you. Uh, before we dive into it, though, let's just kind of set the table so people know your background. Tell us a little bit about your background. I know you wrote the recent book, Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know. And I love that title, by the way. Love that title. But tell us a little bit about your background and expertise. Yeah, well, just just an FYI on the book, we got blindsided about a month ago when my, my phone started blowing up with texts and and voicemail messages while I was on a drive, long drive. Uh, turned out Candace Owens endorsed the book on her <laughs> podcast. She held the book up and said, this book changed everything I believe about climate change. Mm. And then she said, every child in America needs to read this book. Yes, they do. So, I've read your book, and I, I agree. Uh, every every child should read that book. Yes, and it's, it's for non-scientists. So, but, but I... I wrote it because I'm a geologist. I've been studying earth earth processes for over 40 years, and, and I've, I've got peer-reviewed articles that I've written. And uh, I, I I got into this because I knew as a geologist and a scientist that some of what we're being told about climate change was incorrect. I suspected other things were, and it was, it was really a my own personal search for the truth that led me to write this because as I dove into it I found that so much about what we're being told about climate change was factually incorrect and the science of facts and the data just did, just did not support what, what we were being told and I, it angered me and and I just dove into writing this book and kudos to my wife for allowing me to just 
give up a successful consulting practice. I said, I have to do this. I was driven to do it. Good for you. And, you know, your your sense of innate curiosity comes through in the book because the topics that you delve into and the way you address them, I mean, I'm a curious guy. And, and every time I would hit a new chapter, I'm like, oh, I was just thinking about that. And so your curiosity truly comes through. But, uh, well, but well, thank you. And it's, it's you know, it's, it's difficult for many scientists to communicate clearly and in a way that non-scientists can understand. And that's, that's, I, I think I can do that. And I think I succeeded with the book. I've you been, did. I've had many t- people tell me that. Um, and as I'm now, I'm now executive director of the CO2 coalition. We have more than 70 of the top scientists in the world that are dealing with climate change and believe as I do. And, and we believe that, the modest warming that we've seen, uh, it's warmed about eight-tenths of a degree centigrade since 1900, which is not alarming, um, combined with increasing CO2 are leading to tremendous benefits to the Earth's ecosystems. Yeah, and we're going to jump. We're going to jump into all of that, but I want to start with the Dixie Fire because that's dominating the news cycle right now. The Dixie Fire in California—it's the largest forest fire in California history. And yet, I heard Al Roker just this week on the Today Show, uh, and, and then I started talking to my wife about it. I said, "Look, I want to talk to this guy pretty soon, uh, uh, Greg Wrightstone, just about this topic." But uh, but yeah. but Al Roker yeah, okay. was well, saying how it was it, it was it was climate change that caused well, this fire, and you and I both know that's not the case. How is it that climate change isn't at fault for this enormous fire? Well, I, I think we we have a responsibility because of man's actions. Fires like this have become more intense and larger. But it doesn't have anything to do with climate change. It has to do with forest management practices. That we go back to the the 1980s, really, but even before that, uh, we started altering the, the the forest management practices. We stopped in the 80s because remember the spotted owl. Sure. Uh, we need to save the spotted owl. Well, if you love the spotted owl, I hope you love it uh, roasted and well done because you know those <laughs> those spotted owls. They're are, cooked. Are, I mean, they're cooked, they're cooked now. They're cooked. Right, right. Well, they stopped logging, and most of the big fires uh, are in the national forests, are in federally uh, regulated forests where they stopped the logging. Uh, and there, there are a number of reasons why that accelerates these fires. Number one, um, the Sierra Nevada Conservancy says there are four to five times too many trees per acre now than what a healthy forest should have. And think about that. What does that mean? Obviously, there's more fuel when, when, when a fire does ignite. There's obviously more t- fuel. They're more intense. Uh, and and that, that's obvious. Your, your listeners, they, they get that. Sure. But there are some other things that bear into this they may not realize. Uh, for example, when they stop logging, it used to be uh, when they timbered these these forests, there would be logging roads, roads going through all the way throughout. Well, now they've all grown up. So if a fire sprang up, they could they it would could be a natural fire it. break, though, as well. Uh, not so much that it, it was those 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 logging roads weren't big enough okay. for a but fire it, break. But it would be opportunities but, to get the equipment in there to put out exactly, the fire. Exactly, exactly. 
and they could they could expand that to make a larger fire break that might work. Uh, but they could get to the fire, and now the only way you have of accessing these is airdropping uh, these fire crews in. And the other thing is, I think almost maybe more importantly, uh, the primary soil moisture loss. This is California, Oregon. These are arid areas. They they've always They've been arid, maybe not always, but for many, many thousands of years, very arid. And um, when you have four to five times too many trees break, or uh, the second largest cause of soil moisture loss, the first is evaporation, of course. The second largest is the amount of water sucked out of the soil by plants and trees. So now you've got four to five times too many trees competing for that same scarce soil moisture, so it's actually increasing the aridity. So you have more fuel, a more arid situation. You can't get in to fight it. All of these things compounded uh, cause these larger, intense, more intense fires. Uh, and and it's it, it it's it's yeah. So are we to blame for part of this? Yes, but does it have to do with climate change? No. And in fact, if we look the southwest of the United States. Uh, has long, and again, I'm a geologist, so I look at the droughts. Uh, they're in a drought right now. And it, droughts have plagued the southwest part of the United States for many thousands of years. Uh, it looks, if looking at the long term drought history of that part of the country, it looks like it could well be that the 20th century actually had above average precipitation um, compared, because we saw that some of the just Terrible droughts occurred in that area mm-hmm. uh, 800, 900,000, 1,200 years ago during the Little Ice Age. And these were horrific droughts that uh, lasted for decades, several lasted for more than a century. Uh, and and these, these things were just horrific in terms of, uh, in fact, the, the Anasazi of the Southwest, uh, no one really, they were the original natives of that area were were decimated and and disappeared. Um, Hey, let me interrupt you just for a second, because we're going to go to a break. Can you stick around with us through the break? Yeah, sure. Because I I want our listeners to understand, this is Gregory Wrightstone. He's the author of the book, Inconvenient Facts, The Science That Al Gore Doesn't Want You to Know. If you've listened for the last five minutes, you've heard more of an explanation about what's causing the fires in the western section of our country than you've heard anywhere on any mainstream news source in the past 30 days. And you heard it in a three-minute explanation. It was profound, and that's what you can find in his book. I loved his book. Uh, and you will too. So when we come back, I'm going to ask Greg Wrightstone about my favorite claim among extremist environmentalists, and that is the polar bears are being killed. We're going to get to this because I love this topic. Stick around here on At Your Service on Camo X. We'll be right back. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. 
Medela, the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. There's a new member joining the Missouri Broadcasters Hall of Fame. A swing and a high Inducted Cardinals broadcaster John Rooney. It's a donner. Congratulations, John, from the other voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Hey, welcome back to Camo X. We are talking this evening to uh, Greg Brightstone. He's the author of the recent book, Inconvenient Facts, the Science that Al Gore Doesn't Want You to Know, uh, and uh, and has gotten some pretty high-power endorsements recently as well. So as I teased before the break, uh, my favorite claim among extremist environmentalists is the claim that climate change is killing the polar bears. Uh, Greg Brightstone, isn't the opposite actually occurring? Yes. And in <laughs> fact, it's, well, what I like to, well, I'll tell you the, the truth is when, when Al Gore was, was born, there were 7,000 polar bears. Today, only 30,000 remain. Only 30,000 remain. <laughs> it's, we have, we must act. We must act now. Uh, without without that, there may well be forty thousand in the next oh ten years. Oh my goodness! We've got to put a stop then, to this. Yeah, this the proliferation <laughs> of the polar bear is just it's 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 crazy. Um, yeah, well, there's yes, but ten years ago, the polar bear was the iconic image of global warming and climate change, wasn't it? We had the lonely polar bear on an iceberg. Oh, I know that's so we've iconic. Not, we've not seen that lately. They no. stopped doing it. Why did they stop doing it? Because in, the incontrovertible evidence is that polar bear populations have been expanding. We have more polar bears today than we have in uh, at least 50 or 60 years. Now, granted, uh, a lot of that has to do with the uh, prohibition on, on trophy hunting of, of polar bears, and, and good for good for that. Uh, but also, we also see that even after that, polar bear populations continue to expand. And a lot of the studies indicate th- this expansion of the polar bear population, uh, even in some of the areas where we have pretty significant ice loss, polar bears are thriving. Their their weight is in- increasing. Their, uh, they have larger litters in these areas, and the, the, the cubs... Uh, have higher survival rates, and that's because there's just with less ice, there there's more abundant sea life. There's there basically there are more critters for them to eat, um, and so what we have here is uh, Susan Crawford is one of the the top polar bear, probably the top polar bear expert in the world, and, and I 
got my data directly from her, her latest data, and I show that in my book. There's a there's a an error bar. In other words, they're not really confident how many exactly how many polar bears there are. I think her latest estimate was like I think it was twenty eight thousand five hundred to thirty two thousand five hundred is the range. And the reason we don't know is it's pretty dangerous. Yeah, because yeah, because because to, to a polar bear, I mean, we're as tasty as a seal. Right. What what do humans taste like? <laughs> Apparently, we taste like seal. Because we're on the polar bear menu, and so it's very difficult uh, to, to to gauge these. Uh, but but no, there's and, and you can go to my. In fact, I've, I don't know if you have my smartphone app, uh, and if you don't, you should. It's it's available at the Google Play Store and the and the App Store. It's free, and it's got all the sixty inconvenient facts on that. That yeah, way, you can go. Can, yeah, how can folks find that? Because I'm very familiar with your app. Uh, but tell folks how how do you get your app because that allows people to have the most accurate information at their fingertips right on their phones. And I'll be updating some of the, some of the charts are a couple of years out of date. I need to bring those all up to date. But the polar bear population that's that way. If you're if you're out to like you're having Thanksgiving dinner with your family and your your idiot nephew. Billy, who graduated from Kansas State University with a degree in sustainable development, and he says, he says, oh, did you know that? Did you know that polar bears are going extinct? And you go, wait a minute, Billy. Here's here. You whip out your smartphone. You can mm -hmm. go. Here's fact number fifty-two. Here's sixty years of polar bear oh, population. I'm so doing Billy, that. Billy. You know, and then he'll go. Oh well, so you can you can you have this information in the palm of your hand. That is fantastic. Can, yeah, and it's great. Yep, I and, will and be I'm, definitely doing I'm, that because uh, I've got a brother-in-law named Dave, and so I'm going to be uh, using that at Thanksgiving with my brother-in-law Dave. We we yeah. argue every Thanksgiving, and so this year it will be it will be a slapdown. So I, I, I appreciate that uh, from Greg Wrightstone. Get the app today at the App Store. Hey, last topic area. And, of course, uh, as I mentioned many times this evening, because I want you to get his book, Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know. Uh, I have it. It's a fantastic book, and you should have it too. Last topic area, carbon dioxide, CO2. I mean, we're constantly hearing that rising CO2 levels from industrialization creates this global warming that we see going on all around us. But but hasn't this current warming trend, and you even mentioned it a moment ago, the modest warming trend, but haven't we been experiencing this for the past uh, 300 years? Yeah, yeah. The warming trend we're in right now started more than 300 years ago in the depths of what was called the, the, the death-dealing horrific little ice age, the very cold little ice age. A third of the population of the Earth perished during that time. Half the population of Iceland perished. And and what we what we see is, yes, we've been warming for more than 300 years. So it must have been started by all those SUVs and power plants that George Washington built that, that caused exactly. this Exactly. It all goes back to Valley Forge. Oh, those darn blame. SUVs at Valley Forge. Uh, it was it was awful whenever they powered across there with their motorboats. Uh, but no, there were the first 250 years of this warming trend had to have been entirely naturally driven. But we're being asked to believe that 
Oh, well, all that changed in the middle of the 20th century because it was in the mid-20th century and that post-World War II economic boom is when we really started emitting a lot lot of CO2. And if we're going to see CO2-driven warming, we should be able to recognize it in that period. But just as CO2 started ramping up, we went into a 30-year cooling period. Remember back, it it started cooling in the mid-40s. Mm-hmm. and cooled through to the end of the 1970s. Remember in the 70s they were talking about the the next ice age coming yes. because we've been cooling we? for 30 years, mm-hmm. and it sure looked like it. Um, so how does that work? It's contrary, and we can, we can point to, to a number of cases like that where, where CO2 and temperature moved in opposition, where uh, throughout Earth's history we saw periods when CO2 increased and temperatures decreased significantly, and also just the opposite. Yep. And so we, you make mm-hmm. this book. I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I want to get to this because you make this fantastic point in your book uh, that every warming trend, if you if you look historically, every period of of human development where there was a warming trend, it has resulted in benefits, not a detriment. And in fact, the greatest detriments occurred during the cooling trends. Exactly. There were there's a there's a tremendous correlation between the the rise and fall of temperature and the rise and fall of civilizations, the rise and fall of humanity, and it's just opposite of what we're being told. If we we're being told, oh my God, we can't let it get a degree and a half or two degrees warmer, or we're going to have famine and pestilence and we're all going to die. Well, no, that's what happened. I look back through human history, back to the very first civilizations five thousand years ago or more, and it was, we find that in each case. These other warming trends that were warmer than today all were hugely beneficial. Food was in abundance. The first great warming period uh, coincided with what was called the Bronze Age, the Minoan Warm Period. The first great civilizations, the Hittites, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the, the first great Chinese civilizations arose during that time, and then it started to cool down. And within a very short period of time, all of these civilizations collapsed. It was called the the Late Bronze Age collapse. And it led to what was called the Greek Dark Ages. Horrible, horrific area, centuries of, uh, of, of terrible uh, results for humanity. And it didn't get better until we got, it started warming up during the Roman Warm Period. And in that Roman Warm Period, um, we saw that, again, great civilizations arose. Food was bountiful. And we know it was warmer because just things like historical records, we have science that says that, but we have historical records like the Romans were growing citrus in the north of England near Hadrian's Wall. Uh, There was a reason the Romans wore togas, okay, because it was really warm. And then it got cold again, and we went back into the Dark Ages. It was during that cold period, uh, and again, the next warming period was the medieval warm period, the high Middle Ages, the time of the Magna Carta and great cathedral building. Again, life was good, food was bountiful, uh, and then they cooled into the Little Ice Age, the most recent cooling period. And, and that makes so intuitive now, sense to me. Uh, we're talking to Greg Wrightstone. That makes intuitive sense to me because increased CO2 levels, I mean, that's what plants, that's what vegetation, that's what trees breathe in, and they breathe out oxygen. So it seems it seems to me to be very simplistic and understandable to say that when there's rising CO2 levels, that's fantastic for the growth of plants, which humankind depends upon. 
Yeah, it is, but I don't think these other warm periods were associated with CO2. There doesn't seem to be any relationship between CO2 and the warming periods. So the benefits of the warming periods had to do with, with, temperature. with temperature rather than CO2. Fantastic. So you mentioned, we've talked about your book, and uh, I just want to state again, if folks want your app, uh, where can they find their app, and what do they need to put in at the App Store to get your app? Well, just search for, you can go to the Google Play Store if you've got an Android or the App Store for uh, for your, your iPhone. iPhone. Just search for Inconvenient Facts. Fantastic. And apparently uh, endorsed by Candace Owens. You bet. Excellent. Hey, thank you for joining us this evening on KMOX. Thank you. Thanks. Let's do it again. I, I count on it. We absolutely will. Thank you. What thank you. you. What do you think about what Greg uh, Wrightstone had to say? I mean, he's telling you stuff, particularly about those fires, you haven't heard anywhere else. What are your thoughts? 314-436-7900, call or text, because we are at your service here on Camo X. Don't go away. Next Level Listening. News Radio 1120 AM, 98.7 FM, KMOX, the voice of St. Louis. You know, what I didn't get into with Greg Wrightstone, uh, and I and I was intentionally, I didn't go here because he's the guy about the science. And I wanted to talk to him about the science, and he did. And his, his book lays out out the science in a way that's non-nerdish. I mean, he just lays it out in a conversational manner, and that's what I like about it. But what I didn't get into with him is the big question. Why? You know, why is all of this extreme environmentalism, why is it going on? And I want to tell you, I am, this is not just an idea. This is not just a thought. I'm not the first one to express this. But to me, I'm convinced that all of this is simply under the guise of creating more government control over our lives. In order to do that, you have to create a crisis. You have to create a crisis. You know, Rahm Emanuel, who was, who was the uh, policy, policy analyst for Bill Clinton and a policy advisor for Bill Clinton, He made a famous statement one time that I have never forgotten. And he said, never let a good crisis go to waste. Never let a good crisis go to waste. And he said that in the context, I don't even remember what the crisis was in the 90s that fostered that statement. But that describes this entire approach to extreme environmentalism by the left today. Because if they have to pose it as a crisis in order to impose more top-down government control, Washington, D.C.-centric power. That's, that's the ultimate goal here. Because think about it. I mean, we like to kid weathercasters. We like to tease them sometimes or make jokes about them because how often they're wrong. But when you look at these extreme environmentalists, They're wrong 100% of the time when those predictions are made. They're wrong every time. And yet the media doesn't hold them accountable for all of their errors. I mean, if, if Donald Trump said something and it was wrong, he was mocked, he was ridiculed on television, people laughed at him and they just criticized him. But when these 
climate extremists make predictions like all the polar bears are dying. And the polar bear, and they're actually thriving, okay? No one holds them accountable for these predictions. We heard just last week from the United Nations climate panel that we are at the red alert stage. And that if we don't do something now, then we're all toast. I mean, that's the kind of mentality that says create a crisis and then we will present you with the solution. And I don't need to go any further to demonstrate this concept than to talk about the the $3.5 trillion bill that's being pushed by the Democrats in Washington. They are using the crisis of the pandemic to try to foster more government control from Washington, D.C. That's exactly what President Biden was doing with the eviction moratorium that we talked about last hour. The crisis of the pandemic means that I need to allow people to live rent-free and you can't kick them out of your rental property. It's using a crisis to exert control. So when you hear these crises that are being described over and over and over again, they're simply used for that purpose. They're used to try to, to, to manipulate us into giving Washington more control over our lives. You know, here's another very quick example. I love this example. 1990, the crisis was we are in debt. Of course, that was back when the Democrats cared about debt. They don't care about debt now. And so the crisis was we need to raise money. So how are we going to do that? Let's tax the boats that are built for $100,000 or more. So if you want to buy a boat that costs hundred k or more, we're going to slap some huge 10% tax. It was a 10% federal luxury tax on boats that went into effect in 1990. What happened when that went into place? You want to know exactly, here's exactly what happened. 19,000 blue-collar workers, those are guys that were making minimum wage or slightly above. They lost their jobs because boat factories had to close because of the taxation of some supposed crisis. So someone texted me earlier that these Democrat policies do nothing but hurt the little guy. And that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so ultimately, even though this eviction moratorium is supposed to stick it to the big guy and help the little guy, at the end of the day, if there's less rental property, then these people will have nowhere to live. So it's ultimately, again, going to hurt the little guy. And that's to me, I'm always looking for the big picture, the big idea What's the overriding philosophy here? And so when you're being fed these these lies from Washington about there's a crisis and we need to fix it right now, grab your wallet and hunker down, folks, because chances are you're being sold some snake oil. And I don't even know if you can use snake oil anymore because you might be killing the snakes. We can't have that. Hey, Brad Young sitting in this evening at your service. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.